When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com live. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Oh man, the vibes, the vibes are pumping. They can't be worse. Spring training down in Fort Myers, Florida. The birds are chirping. The grass is green. The leather's smacking. Smiles are, are bright. Man, it is spring training, and I couldn't be happier to be a Boston Red Sox fan uh, on today, February 21st. We got a lot to talk about. Um, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to I kind of wanted to start with a rant, not necessarily a rant, but like these fucking Twitter accounts that pretend to have sources, they got to stop. They got to <laughs> stop. They have to stop. And I need to preface that by saying it's not because like we have legit info. It's not like, oh, this is a turf battle. Like we're the information people. I don't give a fuck about that. Like break all the stories that you want. It's just that none of them actually know what they're talking about. Like all these like fucking accounts on Red Sox Twitter that like try to break these stories. Like you don't you don't have any information at all. Like they're just guessing like they're trying like they're like. 
seeing which way the wind blows and then trying to like time it perfectly so that they guess correctly. It's fucking weird. And it's annoying because when they put out these little tidbits, then I'm the one that gets a bunch of tweets be like, hey, did you see this? You see, is this right? You got anything on this? I'm like, no, dude, because it's fucking fake. Like, it's fake. It's made up. Jared, you saw the betting odds for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, come on. Come on. No, you're not going to tweet out a report 20 minutes after seemingly saying, you know, advanced conversations are taking place. You're not going to do that. They're come not on. taking place. They're not taking place. <laughs> They're just not. I'm not saying that the the there's 0% chance the Red Sox sign Jordan Montgomery, but until John Henry gives the big thumbs up, it's not happening. Like it, it's a John Henry call. It's not that the Red Sox don't want him. It's not that the executives are like, oh, we didn't realize jo- uh, Jordan Montgomery was good. It took all these tweets for us to figure out who he was. And then, then we looked at his baseball reference and we were like, oh, he's good. Oh, we should sign this guy. Oh, like you think that like the Red Sox aren't sitting there like the executives being like, hey, can we fucking please pay this guy? Like if I'm an executive of the Boston Red Sox, I am sick and tired of getting crucified by the media and the fans because John Henry won't spend the money. That's what it is. Like, it's not like I I think when Bloom was here. People saw this is this is the guy that came from the Tampa Bay Rays. So he's trying to build the Tampa Bay Rays model here in Boston, which means uh, don't spend money, draft and develop and find these diamonds in the rough to to build a playoff team with an 80 million dollar payroll. Red Sox payroll is 200 million dollars. It's not a very good team. They're not a bad team, but they're not very good either. Uh, They're spending some money. It's not completely the Tampa Bay model, but John Henry has, in in Felger's words, turned off the faucet. That's the problem here. It's not that Craig Breslow doesn't believe in Jordan Montgomery. It's not that the executives in the front office are like, ah, we see a different path here. Um, They all want him. If you were to ask any fucking person in that front office, hey, you want Jordan Montgomery on this team? Yep, right now. As soon as possible. Yep, would love to be able to do that. Why is he not here? Because John Henry doesn't want to pay him. That's all. That's all it is. So when you see like, oh, the Red Sox, the the team favorite to to sign Jordan Montgomery, it's like based on what? Did you have a conversation with John Henry? Because he's the only person that can make that happen. Like it is not about the Red Sox have a budget. They still have some, some wiggle room here. Like, yeah, they do. Like luxury tax wise, yes, they do. But they're at the limit for John Henry. They're at John Henry's luxury tax limit. So that's that's the person that you should be upset with. It's not like, you know, it's not like these people are, are, are unaware of the impact that Jordan Montgomery could have on this fucking baseball team. <clears throat> we were talking about it before we went on the air about how, like, you know, it's bad when you just have people coming out of the woodwork to be like, what the fuck are the Red Sox doing? Kyle Van Noy. Like that Former Kyle Patriot. Van Noy tweet, him being like, bro, what the fuck is going on? And like, I have like friends that are fans of just about every team in baseball. And like, I'll get messages from these people all the time. Be like, bro, what are your Red Sox doing? I'm like, I don't know. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. And it sucks because, you know, I, we're all so invested in this team. People listening to this podcast, like if you're fucking listening to this podcast right now, like you are consuming Red Sox content in February for a season that is pretty much already over. <laughs> like, like you're a sick. Number one, you're a sicko. Number two, we appreciate you. Number three, uh, it's I feel bad for you just as much as I feel bad for myself because I know what it feels like to be so emotionally invested in this team and care so much and want to see them win. And John Henry is the reason why we have no hope. John Henry is the reason why we, uh, oh, Jesus. Oh, who's calling? No one. Girlfriend. She Whoa. doesn't know. Well, she, she's used to us recording at seven. Congrats on the sex. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we're at is this is on John Henry. If if John Henry, if, if he wanted to, he would, as they say, if he wanted to, he would. So that's where we're at. Piggybacking off just what you're saying there. That's basically what Sean McAdam was also saying uh, on the most recent Fenway rundown. And he's kind of been ahead of the curve. So many people wanted to slander Sean McAdam earlier in this offseason when he was mentioning these payroll things. And people were saying, oh, no, you're taking stuff from agents, whatever it may be. He ended up being right on the mark all offseason long. Well, guess what? When John Henry was bopping around fucking Fort Myers the other day, who's the only person that talked to him? Sean McAdam. Guy who's been around forever, right? Um, but he kind of went out there and said, yeah, they're still monitoring Jordan and Montgomery's market. They're going to see if, you know, the market collapses. But at the end of the day, those parameters, which we're going to get into that Sam Kennedy reference, you know, industry consensus is that they're going to be, you know, between 200 million and 210 million, whether they flip Kenley one way or do it another way. They're at 206 exactly right now. So that's the message. And, you know, Sam Kennedy, say what you will. You know, we heard a month ago from Tom Warner, right? A month ago, January 16th. This was the quote from Tom Warner. In the end, we don't have a line in terms of our payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Breslow is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive. One month. Now, we know this has been an entire offseason of contradictions. Every time Sam, Ke Sam Kennedy speaks, more likely than not, he's going to say something different than he told you three months ago. Because something, you know, from a outlook perspective, whatever, John Henry completely changed when this offseason started or after Breslow was hired. But then we have Sam Kennedy drop the line today. We have set parameters for Breslow to operate under. That's what he's doing. That's where they are right now. And it seems like they're right up against that wall. And unless John Henry's going to flip his mind, change his perspective, and I think you're seeing people try. That's what Rafael Devers is trying to do. That's what Kenley Jansen is trying to do. Dustin Pedroia, Jonathan Papelbon, the media, like all these people have tried to, you know, change the narrative or get him to look at it differently. No one's been successful yet. And seemingly, is anything going to change? I know we all hoped with Theo. We knew when that dropped immediately this offseason for what it was. Don't expect anything. Don't expect Theo to come in here and play a Larry Lucchino role right, right away. So here you are. Breslow's operating with the money he has. And that's where you get some of the moves we saw over the last couple you know, days or so. Yeah, that's why I, when I saw on the Section 10 Reddit page, someone being like, can I hate Craig Breslow now? The answer Stop is no. Stop it. The answer is no. Uh you can evaluate some of the moves that he's made. Sure. But like when we're sitting here saying, when, it, when is Jordan Montgomery going to walk through that door? That's a John Henry question. That is only a John Henry question. And we know um, based off Ian Brown's reporting, going back to the beginning of the offseason, they preferred Montgomery over Nola and Snell. It was that simple. 
They thought Jordan Montgomery was the best value. Well, Snell's going to the Yankees. I'm going to (laughs) cry. I'm really upset. But yeah, it's going to be like like a short term deal, like two years. Like he's just going to get it done and he'll be a Yankee. Just keep in mind, the Yankees, they're over the Steve Cohen tax right now. The Red Sox aren't even spending up to the fucking first luxury tax threshold. Not going over it. Not even spending up to it. You have $31 million of room right now. And yet the Yankees are here saying, hey, $300 million? Go fuck yourself. Who cares? You know why? We're trying to win. But that's where they are. And they don't give a fuck about the luxury tax moving forward. They're going to pay Juan Soto because damn well they didn't give up all that pitching to land him. So this is what it is. They're pushing all their chips in to try and win. The Red Sox had a window here. They said, you know what? We'll wait a couple years. We'll wait for the big three. Then maybe we'll spend. Maybe then we'll have the financial resources necessary to be taken serious. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I'm past the point of being like angry and frustrated. I'm just like I've accepted that this just is what it is. And now I feel like I'm just waiting out John Henry's tenure. Like, I don't know when at what point at what point is John Henry going to look at the team and be like, OK, now we'll spend like Casas is here. Bayo's here like Cutter Crawford. Like you have guys that are here that are part of like the youth movement or whatever. Duran's here. Yeah. So uh, and and I feel like I'm just repeating myself from stuff that I've said on the show in the past. But the Red Sox are not going to be a bad team. They're not as of right now. They're not a good team. Like they're still probably going to finish in last place. I, I don't think it's a hot take to be like, yep, three Pete coming in hot. This Red Sox team is a last place team. Uh, it's more of a nod, I guess, to the rest of the division. But they'll be right around 80 wins and maybe a little bit under that. Um, because the other point that I was going to make was, you know, they're not gonna, even if they're kind of in it. I don't even expect the Red Sox to add at the trade deadline. Like if this Red Sox team is like in third place and they're within five games, of the wild card or whatever, I don't expect them to add at the deadline. Like I don't expect them to go for it unless they're in first place. And it's like, how could you not, you know, which they're not going to be. Um, but let's just say hypothetically, the trade deadline is 10 days away and the Red Sox have a two game lead in first place. That's like the only situation I could see where they're like, fuck, I guess we have to try. Like, and then, you know, that's what going up. I, I wouldn't even expect them to get all the way up to the luxury tax because trying to add that much money in season is just really hard to do. Uh, but I think we mentioned this kind of before. It'd have to be something like 2021 where you just constantly surprise everyone. And you're one of those teams, if not the team that year that nobody saw kind of, you know, performing like they did. But last season, you know, and in all reality, when it came to Bloom and why he got fired, it's because he didn't sell, right? Like, that's what it is. We know it's not because they were planning to spend or go nuts. Maybe you can argue we knew Haim and the front office were planning to spend. That may have factored into it, and they weren't willing to go down that line. But I also think you look at Haim now and you say, damn, imagine how impossible of a situation it is to be in where you can't add money. And then you see the way Devers is speaking right now and Jansen, both guys who complained at different points last year. Imagine if you had sold those pieces, right? and those guys were still on the roster, what kind of revolt you would have had then there too. Talk about putting guys in a constantly impossible spot by this ownership group, and they're fine doing that. Let them take the bullets. That's why Sam Kennedy says, hey, Whoa. What, what? let's be real. Sam Kennedy says, hey, let's turn the page. I understand the questions about spending and all this are fair. It's really about the roster, and it's really about the 2024 season. So hey, don't look at us. Look at the players. It's on them. 
That's what we're talking about. We're not going to take any accountability for lying to you guys and then gaslighting you guys and then calling you guys liars, even though we are admitting all the things you've been saying all along. You guys were actually right all off season. I, I mean, I go back to the John Tomasi report the other day about how there are people within the Red Sox organization who are privately uh, expressing that they are embarrassed. I would be embarrassed, too. They should be embarrassed. Like Kenley Jansen. This is uh, from two days ago. I definitely feel frustrated. I came here for two years where year one we were going to compete. But by year two, they were really going to go after it. They have a different vision now. I get it. It's part of the business. But at the same time, I have one more year left here and I'm going to give the fans the best that I have. That was on Bradford's podcast. Like, we were going to compete in year one, and then year two, we're really going to go for it. That's the Alex Spear report that we have mentioned on here going back. Well, it's full throttle. It's fucking Tom Warner saying, yes, like that going into 2024 is the year that we're going to go for it. So you have Kenley speaking out. You have Warner saying something at the beginning of the offseason. Then you have the Rafael Devers press conference yesterday, which lasted about 20 minutes. And you had like the interpreter there from, I mean, I don't speak Spanish, but from people on Twitter that do was withholding things that Devers was actually saying. Is that true? Like I, he was, I saw those tweets. I, I don't want to say the guy wasn't doing his job or anything like that, but I did see it, those tweets as well. I saw like from what the interpreter was saying, at the press conference, I saw like transcribed translations being completely different from what I was hearing during the press conference. Uh, and I mean, Devers, you have to look at that situation as, okay, w- Kenley Jansen is telling us he was lied to. Tom Warner indirectly is telling us that he was lied to. Raphael Devers, I have to believe was lied to. Like, you foregoed free agency to sign, to stay here. Got all this money to stay here. The Red Sox probably had to do some convincing because it was ugly even then. John Henry like, flew down there, right? Like that was supposed to be the big thing that changed it all. I'm sure that there were conversations that were had that were like, hey, man, like we're going to build around you. Like we're going to turn this thing around. You're a big piece of us turning this thing around. We're going to get back to winning championships and being in the playoffs and all that. And instead, they just signed Devers to to quell the masses, and then they shut it the fuck down. They're like, all right, we, we kept one of them. I know Mookie's gone, Xander's gone, but we kept Devers. So you guys shut the fuck up now. That'd be great. And that's not what's going to get it done. It, keeping one core piece is not enough. It's It's trying to win, and the Red Sox are not trying to win. Jordan Montgomery's still out there from from everything that we hear begging to be signed by the Boston Red Sox. Please sign me like I want to pitch for you so badly. Please, I'll, I'll make it work. Meet me in the middle somewhere, please. And John Henry is like. Not this year, buddy, not 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 for this team, bucko. And he's just still sitting out there hoping that. Uh, he'll change his mind or someone will convince him that this is a piece that could at least put the Red Sox in a conversation. 
for a, a contender. Obviously, we're not talking World Series, but like even like just bringing in a guy. And, and I know I, I see I see the people now because uh, we're kind of like beating the drum of Jordan Montgomery a little bit too hard. I get it. Like he's not Randy Johnson. Whoever said he was nobody, nobody. but it's it's kind of just the people that are like begging for the Red Sox to sign this guy like he's Randy Johnson or something like that. It's like, no, but he's a very good starting pitcher and a starting pitcher that the Red Sox need and a guy that would drastically change the outlook of the entire season, like drastically. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I <clears throat> maybe it sounds crazy to say. But let's just say that we're sitting here right now and it's breaking news. Jeff Pass and Jordan Montgomery signs a, a two-year deal with the Boston Red Sox with an opt-out after one. Like, it's almost like you took so fucking long to do this that you look stupid and I still don't believe that you're not cheap and it's the same thing as Giolito or if he pitches well, then he's out of here. Like, there's no long-term vision. There's no philosophy there's no direction i don't know what they're waiting for i don't know what they're hoping for so yeah i don't man i i uh i am not pumped <laughs> i'm just not pumped i'm not excited i we, we've had this conversation before too how i don't think in my entire life i've ever gone into a season caring less about the boston red sox how could you care like how the if fuck they don't you... care. Why should you Right. like it, you're not actively trying? What? Why should we be in vet? Like it, it, we're smarter now as baseball fans, like that whole philosophy of like, well, you never know. You never know what could happen. Like, no, we got a pretty good idea. Like this team's going to be fucking mid in a very good division. Like, I don't know what miracle or what catastrophe would have to happen on all the other teams in the American League East for the Red Sox to be considered even fucking close to a playoff team as they stand currently today. Yeah, because you look at the AL last year, I know everyone likes to cite the Diamondbacks, right? That's the easy one. That was 84 wins. It took 89 wins to get into the playoffs last year in the American League. Keep that in mind. Now, if you ask Tom Warner, they're 10 wins better than what they were last season. Sounds like a team you'd want to invest in, but okay. So, you know, they view them as an 88-win team. If you went and got Jordan Montgomery on even that kind of deal, I'd go there and tell you it's awesome for this year, but if he's just playing to opt out in a year, you haven't fixed your long-term issue. The whole reason you need to pay Jordan Montgomery is because you need security in the rotation after this year. Two of the guys in your rotation who, you know, they can't get enough of Nick Pavetta right now, and I understand it. I'm into the sweeper. I get it. I, You know, I've tweeted the stats out a million times. He's a free agent after this year. Lucas Giolito, if he's anything close to a decent pitcher, he is opting out. He is not staying here. You know, unless you're going to pay him. And, you know, do we trust the Red Sox to do that? No. After that, it's what? Brian Bayo. Cool. Working on an extension. We'll get into that. Cutter Crawford, maybe. And then, you know, they're going to try out someone to be the fifth starter, whether it's Whitlock, Hal Kwinkowski, whoever you want to have the conversation about. All right. But you need some stability in this rotation moving forward, or you're going to have just as many holes, if not more. You're not going to have the same depth options that have at least shown something at the big league level to kind of fill these spots like a Nick Pavetta. Um, but I think where I really get nervous and I get scared, the credibility of the Red Sox and how they're handling players, guys like Kenley Jansen, who are so well respected in this league and kind of viewed as these, you know, eldermen of the game like Kenley Jansen sat here and you promised him something towards the end of his career as he's trying to win a World Series when that has meant something to him. 
yet here he is and he knows what this team's going to be this year. If I were the Red Sox, I'd flip him. And that's just from the fact I feel for him. But clearly, his head's not in a great place here, and it's not going to get any better, especially if the team goes sideways in May or June or something like that. He doesn't want to be on a team that isn't trying to win the World Series. Alex Cora's whole identity comment, you know, this whole message to the team, I think it had a lot to do with part of that Kenley Jansen interview who was sitting there basically saying, damn, I'm jealous of the Dodgers. Like, that's what it was. He's like, it's so fun to see what they're doing. And then Alex Cora's like, hey, guys, you know, you're the Boston Red Sox. And then you look around the room and you realize what it is. But you lied to him. You lied to Chris Martin. You had a guy in Justin Turner who was begging to come back here when you clearly needed a voice like that. Can anyone disagree after seeing the first, what has it been, seven days of spring training? How much someone like Justin Turner's voice would have benefited you right now? Just as a positive mind, as a leader or something like that. Instead, these are the quotes we're talking about. And that's no shame to Rafi or Kenley, but it feels like things are starting to unravel in certain ways. And it's February 21st. That's terrifying to see people in such a negative mindset or, you know, kind of just begging the front office to do something like just doing the littlest things, whether it was Justin Turner or Jordan Montgomery would have completely reshaped this entire offseason for you. Now you expect to go into next offseason and, you know, it's the same stupid blind faith of why they thought Yoshinobu Yamamoto was just going to be a Red Sox. There was no other plan B, at least in their head. Hey, you know, we're going to get him to come here because we're the Red Sox, right? Like that's all it fucking is. No, that's not it. Now you're known as an organization that's not only cheap and doesn't want to pay players what you know free agency costs. You don't tell the truth about your vision. And you know when people are asked and kind of pressuring you, you throw your hands up in the air and say, it's really about the players. I wouldn't keep asking questions about financials. Focus on them. And on top of that, you know, you're probably going to have a new manager going into next year. Like, so sell that all was, that. That's, that's what I wanted to bring up, honestly. Um, I think I think that this this could get ugly fast. I think that this could get ugly fast because you have the highest paid player on the team speaking out, being like, fuck you guys for and Cora, not making this team better. Cora didn't uh, shut him down. You have Kenley Jansen, who has won a World Series, highly respected veteran, uh, 400 saves. He's like, yeah, they lied to me. And then you have Alex Cora, who's saying, don't ask me about managing beyond this year. <laughs> I am not interested in speaking about managing beyond this year. So like the most tenured, paid, respected individuals that are part of this operation are basically going out there saying like, fuck all this. So everyone that's a subordinate, I mean, if you start losing early, Everyone's just going to be like, fuck this. Like, and, what's the point? And this is with a young group. This is about a group. You said, hey, we need to take a step forward. And that's what you're putting these guys under. This is what you want Marcelo Meyer and Kyle Teal and Roman Anthony to walk into. This is the fucking culture. You're asking for guys to fail. Like, it's such stupidity. It blows my mind. You know, you would think you'd want Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas and Vaughn Grissom, all these guys, Duran, Cutter, name whoever it is, to be around a group where they were actually developing and in a good spot and trying to take that step forward. Instead, you're following these fucking drama lines on February 21st. That's what these guys have to grow around. It's just irresponsible. We talk about how much veterans can do for young players, just teaching them what Justin Turner did a year ago but they don't give a fuck about any of that because it costs money. That's what they're going to have to do. And that's such a dangerous game here. You're pissing off 
you know, free agents and making yourself look bad when you talk to them and you try to be upfront with them. You're not putting your young players in the right positions to succeed. Like, oh, man, it's so hard to find like a lot of positives. And I'm someone, you know, I like a lot of the young guys on the team. I like a lot of the players in general, but trying to sell this to people, it's not a good product. Jake, how are you feeling about your baseball team? I just feel like this is the part of the year where like when you go back on championship years, you go back and you see all the players being like, oh, yeah, spring training is the time where like we walked in there and like vibes were good, like got got a bunch of good young guys, a couple of vets in the mix. But like this time right now, this year is just the exact opposite. Like everything you just listed, Cora being like, get me the fuck out of here. Bad Kenley comments, bad Rafi comments like. It's just the exact opposite of how you want to start a season. Then you throw in, you know, John Henry and Sam or John Henry and Sam Kennedy, who think it's a fucking joke down there. Uh, this was arguably one of the things that set me off the most in that Michael Silverman uh, column. There was a moment where Henry was talking with a couple of the reporters, right? You know, chopping it up. Who knows what the fuck they were talking about off the record. And Sam Kennedy goes, hey, John, turn around because you're never here it, to take a picture. They're making fun. Of the fact that John Henry's just not around. Wait, like, what? Who this, did that? Uh, let me read the actual quote. I have it right in front of me. Give me one second. Okay, here we go. Um, Sam Kennedy was taking a picture and told John Henry to turn around. And Kennedy said, smile, John, because you're never around. And actually, this was something that happened. And John Henry was just laughing. And there was more of it. Later on, he was walking by a reporter. And Henry gestured toward a camera crew and joked, you know us, just following the cameras. Like, they are jerking you around and laughing. Like, they think it's funny. They think it's a joke, the shit that's been going on the last couple months. Like, they're making jokes out of John Henry just not being around or whatever the media narratives are. When you know, and we know from that Theo report, they know they haven't been doing their damn job. And that's part of the reason he got brought in here. They privately acknowledge it. But publicly, they rub it in your face. That's what they do. And that's the most insulting part to me. Like, at least act like you're fucking not happy with the way things are going. Instead, you're, oh, John Henry's never around. Fuck you. Fuck you. Because this is the result of someone not paying attention to an organization. This is what it looks like, where you have media, journalists, fans, athletes on the team, past players, all of them speaking out. How can any of that be positive for you? But what would I expect from Sam Kennedy, who mentions Dustin Pedroia calling him? Rob Bradford later on tells us they called him to see if he was coming down to spring training. But you think Sam Kennedy, what the hell are you doing telling that story to people? That, that is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. It's like shitting your pants the night before and going to work and telling everyone you shit yourself at work. They were embarrassing. Pedroia was pantsing you saying, what the hell are you doing here? You know, Montgomery's out there, Snell. And you're like, you know what? Let me show up tomorrow and tell everyone this. They will think it's awesome because it's Dustin Pedroia. How clueless are you? That should be a fireable offense as a mouthpiece. If I was John Henry and I saw Sam Kennedy say that, I go, never come back out. Never speak to anybody again. Why would you say that to anybody? Instead, you say it to everyone like it's a friggin' accomplishment that your former players are laughing at your organization saying, what the fuck's wrong with you? That's yeah. absurd. Pavelbon was on foul territory talking about all this stuff and... I'm not putting any stock in it, but he was like, yeah, like when I was at winter weekend, I was talking to some of the people behind the scenes and, you know, I, I feel like they, they have like, they're working on something big. Like they have an ace up their sleeve. He said that like, back then too. Yeah. But it's like, it's too late for that. There's no ace up the sleeve right now. Like there's, 
like like as much as I would love to have Jordan Montgomery here, I don't think that that's an ace up the sleeve. Either. It's a bare minimum. Yeah, it's what you should do. Like in talking to people around the league, they're like, how did the Red Sox not do this a month ago? A month ago, like this should have been done. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to be able to get excited. I would love to be able to, uh, you know, because we'll talk about this a little bit later too. But, you know, some of these players, they're obviously paying attention to what the the backlash and the reaction. And uh, I would love to be able to get behind them because they keep saying like, oh, like, you know, people are already counting us out and no one believes in us. It's like, yeah, because you're not good. Like, it, like we're not we're not uh, mis-evaluating you guys. Like, this is what it is. You did finish in last place two years in a row and you suck again. Or not suck, but you're not good enough to finish above last place this year. Um, it's not like, if you guys want to do that for your own sanity, if I were a player on that team showing up to spring training, I would have to have that chip on my shoulder like, all right, guys, no one believes in us. Like, we got to go out there and prove everyone wrong. You can have that mentality until the writing's on the wall where it's like, oh, man, everyone was right. <laughs> you know, like you can at least start the season with that mentality. But as a fan, I can't get behind it because I'm not stupid. Like and as a player, as a competitor, as an athlete, fine. Have the chip on your shoulder at least to start the season. But I'm not dumb enough. I'm not I'm not going to fall for it. It's not it's not you against the world. It's John Henry against you guys. That's what it is. I respect Trevor Story, who has been really, it seems like the main messenger on that. And I I understand what he's trying to do. This is a guy who's not been a leader throughout his career, and he's trying to grow into that role. He's talked about it himself. Um, and really, that's all he can do because he got paid. He got paid a couple years ago, and he's shown up in the first two years. have been awful. They just haven't matched what they needed. Injury, not performing up to his standards. So that is kind of the place he needs to be in. He's not in that room to talk. Just being in this market or in general, just performing. But that's why I think what Rafi did was so important for him to kind of speak out because now what he's entering his eighth year in the big leagues. He's the only one with that kind of credibility inside the organization that's been here dating back to when this organization wasn't a mess. Right. When things were firing on all cylinders during the Dave Dombrowski tenure, he was here for that. So he can speak and say, hey, this is what we don't have. This is what we're lacking. He's won a World Series. And, you know, you can say what you want about Kenley Jansen. You know, he's won. He only spent a year in Boston. He doesn't truly know the whole Fenway Red Sox organization experience. Rafael Devers knows it as well as anyone. He's learned whether you want to talk about Xander Bogarts before him and the other guys that, you know, from one era to the next that kind of cross over. He can speak to that. But I think this has just been building and Devers has been growing into this. And, you know, for someone who does not want to be the face of the franchise, and I think he's made that pretty clear, just doesn't like being called it for him to feel like he had to speak up on his behalf. That tells it all. And for Alex Cora, who basically backed him, he didn't say anything he said was wrong or I disagree. Nothing like, hey, well, hey, I think this group can be as special as anybody. No, he goes, I'm happy Rafi's speaking his mind and doing what he has to say. You know why? Because he's saying the same thing behind the scenes. It's the same reason Xander spoke out like he did back in 2022. You know, those messages are coming down and it's just been building year after year. Can't blame Rafi for feeling like he had to take a stand there. I don't at all. And I think he did the right thing. Do I think it changes anything? Not really. And there was a comment Cora made about, you know, Devers, while the relationship between him and Cora is very important and Devers has learned to kind of go into his office and say what he had to say, it's even more important for Craig Breslow because he's going to be here for a long time. 
When Cora said that to me, I was like, damn, that makes me very nervous because that feels like, hey, you better get to know the guy upstairs pretty well because he's going to be here long after I'm you know, gone or doing something else. You better start making those connections if you're going to be the true face of the franchise and that guy because you need to start getting your words through to him. But I think it goes even beyond that. It's even higher on the chain. And we saw Devers talking with John Henry and Linda. Of course, they got those pictures in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to listen to your guy. Like if he he doesn't want to be the face of the the franchise, that's fine. But he's the highest paid player in team fucking history. So, yeah, when he speaks up and says, hey, what the fuck's going on here? Uh, You guys know what we need. We need help. I don't I'm not going to like speak on that. I'm not going to shit on them publicly, but you guys all know what's going on here. We all see it. Very pointed comments pointing out how, how the Red Sox are a fucking joke. Meanwhile, wanna... looking at Twitter here and fucking dumbass Marino Pepin is getting people excited for no fucking reason. Uh, we're not doing that. I, I refuse. No, I'm not even... fucking. No, no. Enough with Marino. Don't ever fucking don't ever send me a fucking Marino Pepin tweet ever again. I fucking get uh, that, man. It's over for him. I can't deal with that shit today. Uh, but that's the sadness. Like fans will tweet underneath him. I know I don't. I know this isn't true, but I'm just going to follow the delusion. Like that's where some people are at. I'm yeah, not in that off. camp. Uh, I refuse to be, but I don't know. I, I think for where Rafi is right now and where things are kind of trending for him, you know, to speak like that, I didn't think he called any teammates out or anything. Like, I know some people were trying to say, well, he shouldn't say anything like that because it's putting down, you know, Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock and Cutter Crawford. No, not. He didn't even say what position. He goes, everybody knows. I can't say it, but you know what we need. Anybody, even those guys on the team would tell you. What did it mean when Cora said he needed three starters or Breslow said he was going to add two bona fide starters? Was that an insult to those guys? No, it wasn't. Devers didn't even say that. He just said, you guys know what we need help with. It's that simple. I don't know how anyone could have a problem with his messaging. Someone had to say it. Credit to him because he has to be that guy. He is the older guy in terms of that main core right now that can step up. Yeah. Anyways, uh, shout out to Blue Moon. We love Blue Moon. Even if you love beer, there are some moments that you want to enjoy without the alcohol. Celebrate those times with Blue Moon's new non-alcoholic Belgian white Belgian style wheat brew. It's for when you want to drink your favorite beer without the alcohol. Jake, how many Blue Moons do you plan on putting back this weekend? I know it's uh, it's got to be a decent amount. Yeah, I usually like to start off with a couple non-alcoholic and then get into the real ones. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's where I'm at too. I feel like, um, you know, it's nice to have a couple non-alcoholics with dinner. And then after dinner, you, you fill up a little bit. You're like, I'm going to I'm going to crack open some ice cold blue moons. Maybe watch a movie. Maybe go on a date. Call to you went on a double date last weekend. With Jake? Uh, no, with Coley and his wife. Oh, that's cute. What yeah, did you guys do? Went to, the, went to the North End. Actually, Italian. you know what's funny? I forgot to mention this. Uh, it's very funny because I, I mentioned how I, I hard launched on Instagram on Valentine's Day and immediately woke up to like 1500 Instagram followers. And I was like, I was like, why? Why weren't you like you guys care about seeing Dog. her? But you're you not going to girls. Follow, you, huh? Do you know girls? Honestly, do you know anything about women? They were all dudes. Oh, OK. I retract my statement. Yeah. I mean, it was like 95% dudes. I don't know. That is weird. Right? There so, is and a it was thing, just funny though. to see like 
when the waves would come in, it's like, oh, like I'm like, this is when people listen to name redacted. So like a lot of people like listen on Friday night. <laughs> a lot of people listen on Saturday morning. A lot of people save it for Sunday. Because like it would just be very obvious, like when they got to that point in the podcast, because like I didn't get tagged any in anything like I wasn't active on Instagram. But like Sunday night, I would just like pull out my phone and be like, oh, 75 new Instagram requests. Well, it's like, oh, they, they got to that point in the podcast. It might be dudes who were like worried you were going to fuck their chick or something. Maybe that's what it is. There was that kind of fear. Now, as a no, man, I think, with- I think it's because I've just been super private about my personal life for like my entire career. And for the first time, I like put something out there and people were like, whoa, like, let's see it. OK, so people just want to see what the picture was. Yeah. It was a story, though. Was it an it was actual a story? Post? That was the thing. Is like everyone, everyone went to go see the picture, and it was gone by then. Damn. Yeah, but it was a story. As a guy, a ladies' man, some would call me, because um, I got a shoddy. Uh, so. I know when you get a girl, other women start to look at you because they're like, "Damn, yeah. like that girl decided to invest in him." Right. You know, well, who and, wouldn't want to invest in me or me? Just like I would love to invest in Blue Moon. Inspired by the beer you already love and available year round, a Belgian white, Belgian style wheat brew that tastes like drinking, even if it's not crafted with Valencia orange peel and coriander. It tastes balanced and refreshing. Nothing compares to the great taste of a blue moon, non-alcoholic Belgian white, Belgian style wheat wheat brew. Blue Moon made brighter. Get Blue Moon non-alcoholic Belgian white Belgian style wheat brew but delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared for del- uh, delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Non-alcoholic malt beverage contains less than 0.5 alcohol uh, per volume. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that was funny. Um... Yeah, there's a big because I I mean, like I'm 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 pretty active, I guess, like on Instagram stories, not as much like on posts, but definitely on stories. I don't get a ton of action on there, but it was just very funny to like we put out the podcast and the next morning was just like a whoosh people coming in. And then uh, Friday night it was pretty it was, it made me feel sad. I was like, oh, these people are like just staying in on a Friday night listening to Name Redacted. Stop cooking them. Damn. I'm not cooking You're them. Cooking I'm, just, them. I'm, I'm not cooking them. <laughs> I maybe, think- they, maybe, maybe they went out on Valentine's Day, which was a Wednesday. So by Friday night, they were like, hey, we went out on Wednesday. We don't need to go out on Friday. Let's listen to Name Redacted and, and make out. Make out during the podcast. Yeah. I never knew that. Tweet you think me people if you have make ever out done during that? the pod. You think people, you think people like what, put us on YouTube and... They like Netflix and Name Redacted. I lost my virginity to Trash Island. I kind of believe that. Why would you believe that? You, well, you because actually, you're an idiot. Come on. You think that's yeah. I'd put on some Usher or something like that. No, not not for your first time. You wouldn't know to pull the Usher card. Oh, yes. I don't no, want anyone wouldn't. to hear the sounds. 
What? <laughs> As a big dude, you make certain sounds. You know what I mean? You don't want to hear heavy breathing or like yeah. someone trying to work through something. That's you cardio. having sex probably sounds like pots and pans falling down the fucking stairs. It doesn't. I just kind of post up against the headboard and go to work. Jesus. <laughs> I also will you. add, yeah, since add you were something. single so long, mm-hmm. I think people were probably just curious to see what you would like lock down. Right. It's like, damn, Which, like, yeah. you know, you're not some random chump or anything. I mean, it's it's not like I was completely single the whole time it's more just like this is the one where i was like all right yeah like let's let's be super serious about this one this is a grown-up relationship yeah this is this is a grown-ass man relationship so yeah people were curious it was very funny it was very funny to see the the influx of new instagram followers trying to sneak a peek someone actually i i uh someone like sent me a message asking about the the uh custom underwear and i sent them a picture of that those were like, nice. Yeah, it's like if you want to see it, you can see it. Did you send but, those to the group chat? I think that's where I saw. I did. Them. No one said anything. I looked at them and I think I yep, sent a nope. picture to Martha and asked if she could do something. Similar. Yeah, no one said anything though. So, what would you want uh, me to say? Uh, maybe laugh. Be like, haha, that's funny that you that you have those. Last time I checked, I got abandoned when next I texted time, in the chat. No, the no, no. Day. The next time that you send something funny in the group text, I'm gonna fucking ignore it. When have I ever sent something funny to the group chat? Never. Okay. The next then. time you do it, I'm going to ignore it. All I'm saying is I texted you guys when I woke up at 2 a.m. the other night after this oh. ridiculous Pat live Pat Light live stream and no one would tell me what happened. That's cr- by the way, I'm going to call Pat Light right now. Get if anyone on. missed out on the Pat Light TikTok live the other night, you missed out on history. Oakley? You missed out on history. It was one of the most iconic moments in live streaming history. Jake was in there. Coley was in there. I was sleeping. It was like 930. I've said it on the pod. I'm out by like 830. Pat's not going to answer because he knows that it's the podcast. If I want to talk to him Here, let me call off the him. record, then I, I usually FaceTime him. <laughs> let me call him real quick. Your call has been forwarded to an unforgivable, unforgivable. Um, but anyways, Pat Light goes live on TikTok uh, every night <laughs> for like an hour. He will go live on TikTok and I'll just be in there, me and like 17 other people. And I just I'm in the comments. I'm asking business questions and um, telling people to like and share the live and and all this trying to just put them over. And um, Monday night, I'm in there and it was really dwindling. Like it was, it was bad. There was like seven people in there. And I was like, and, and he said, uh, he's like, all right, you know, we don't have a lot of people in here, so I'm just going to end it early. And I was like, we're not ending it early. <laughs> so I tweeted the link to his live. And then we got like a couple hundred people in there. Jake got in there. Coley got in there. Uh, Barack Obama was in there. Uh, the Mike Trout was in there. Yep. John Farrell was in there. Um, yeah, so it Mookie? was like it was, huh? Mookie? No, he's too cool. Um, we, I, I believe it was. It had to have been his most viewed live of all time, and the comments went from like the pace of like, boop, 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 to like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> he was very. He was very overwhelmed, but I think he I think he did a great job at handling the volume. Jake, how do you think he did? 
uh, he did great. I mean, personally, it was like some of the most fun I've had in months. Uh, <laughs> it just like turned into a game of like, how long can we get Pat to stay on the live? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure like everyone or a bunch of people listening to this pod was in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, I think it was like we were trying to get him to like a thousand shares. And then after that, it's like, all right, now 2K. All right, now 3K. And we I think we got over 4,000 shares. Is that viewers or is that something different? Like, is that just sharing the link? The, so, like, I guess for the algorithm, if you have a bunch of shares, then it's better for the algorithm and then your live will pop up on someone else's for you page. Um, but yeah, there was over 100,000 likes and over 4,000 shares. Um, yeah, no, it was a good time. I had a great time. I mean, I wish you were there. I mean, everyone was there except for you. No one called me. No one tried to wake me up from my slumber. No, we texted you. We texted. texted you. I was asleep. Okay. You, you keep your phone on ringer when you sleep? Not for text, but for phone calls. For phone calls, you keep your phone on ringer. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. My phone rings if you call it. It vibrates, actually. I'm more of a vibration. Which one sleeper. is it, dude? You just gave us two different answers. Well, I, I think it vibrate. dings, but I'm a heavy sleeper. So now you're saying even if we did call you, it probably wouldn't have worked. No, the vibration will wake me up. The ding doesn't. Got it. Y- well, it was so hard to wake up, you know, at 145 and be all by myself. And no, I just missed something historic. I'm hearing about this dog I had never heard of before. Oakley. And all I'm seeing in the group chat is, Tyler, what a fucking idiot. I what didn't a- call you an idiot. Jake-, Jake said something that made me laugh. I can't remember. I said you're it blowing it because you did. Yeah, you blew it. I agree with Jake. You blew it. it was, people were asking for you. People were asking for you. There were there were Tyler chants All going right. on in the chat. Spare me. I swear to God, people were asking for you left and right. They were like, where's Tyler? I'm sorry, Pat. I'm not sorry to you guys, but I'm sorry to Pat. Because it's my sorry boy. To us? Huh? Why aren't you sorry to us? Because I, I think you could have stepped up a little bit more. I, I'm not going to put it all on you, but you know, there you needs just to be put some it accountability. I'll take 50 if you take 50. Pat, Pat, Pat just posted a TikTok. So I know. <laughs> what does this say? He's making a good salary at Barstool. Yeah. I joined the show several months later, signs a multi million dollar deal with DraftKings. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Jared Krupps. If you want a multi million dollar deal with DraftKings, simply subscribe to this podcast, <laughs> share it with three of your friends. Tag them in the description. Boom. Yes. DraftKings will be at your door. You also have to click the link in our bio. <laughs> Jared Corrupt. I mean, listen. That that's he's not wrong. Like Pat, Pat was on section 10 for like three months. And then it led to a big deal at DraftKings. But he's not going to answer the phone, which kind of sucks. Big time in you. Yeah, you won't answer my phone call, but you post a TikTok. He's I think he's he's addicted to TikTok at this point. Every night he does this every night for an hour, no matter how many people are in there. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I have been in his TikTok live. Nine out of 10 times. I might I'll get a notification. I'll say Pat Light is live and then I'll click on it and I'm the first person in there and I'll comment and I'll let him know and he can actually see. Uh, that I'm in there and that I stay in there so he can monitor that I'm there the whole time, which I am. Um, and I just I wanted to liven up this TikTok. Listen, I'm going to make this a place. 
I know I know that he wants it to be a space to take business questions, but I even say in the comments, I'm like, no baseball questions, business questions only. I strictly enforce the business because I'm not trying to hijack it. I'm trying to help it. He said I he said I hijacked it. I'm like, no. that's not true. I I caught Jake, did I did I or did I not say no baseball questions? You were kicking people out for talking baseball. As the moderator, I was booting people that were asking baseball questions. You're a mod? Mm-hmm. Jake, are you a mod? Uh, no, I was just there to to watch. Damn, so everyone just undo <laughs> your rule. Now, yeah. can you make donations or is he the only yeah. one giving money away? Well, so what happened was I was trying, like he was trying to leave and sign off. So I tweeted, wow, Palite is giving away $1,000 to someone in his comments. Um, and then uh, like a bunch of other people came in. So we were at like 350 people were watching. And then... Um, then it started like dwindling down again. And he was like, why are there so many people in here? And then his girlfriend said, because Jared tweeted that you were giving away a thousand dollars. So then he said, you know what? If we get to a thousand viewers, then I will give away a thousand dollars. We never got to a thousand concurrent, but there were like four thousand unique viewers. So did he give it up or did he just keep no. it? Oh, no, no, because there wasn't a thousand at at one time, but there was like four thousand total over the course of the whole stream. Well, considering he was at seven before you arrived, it feels like a good time. And then maybe those people will come back looking for money. Yeah, well, I would have donated. At a maybe cost. they'll maybe there's going to be another Palite TikTok live tonight. And if there is, then I'll I'll tweet about it. And I'll join. It would be nice if you actually fucking participated for once. I'd love to be there. Would you? Yes. You think I just ignore you guys? Are you going to be are you going to be sweeping? Are you going to be sweeping tonight, little baby Tyler? Oh, so, oh some of us sweeping. the grown men wake up at you 4 a.m. like the old guys did in the old days. The sun's up, fuck the sun. I'm up before the sun. T-Dog wakes the sun up, okay? Fuck off. What, what, what time do you wake up? I was up. I was in the chat. Sleeping. Is that is that that's the best you got? Is that's the, what you just, just did to me. Well, yeah, but I what that makes no sense because I was awakened in the chat and driving traffic. Some people get up early. Some people stay up late. What time do you get up? Four. Oh, that's uh, that's not that early. What time do you get up? Depends on the day. Three forty-five. <laughs> It depends on the day, I guess. Whatever. I like to get up early to get everything ahead of me, but I tire out very early in the day. Why do you think that is? Do you have low T? No, that's not it. I just <laughs> operate in different hours. I They'd say, what, 16 hours is pretty good of a battery. You sleep 16 hours a night? No, I'm up 16 hours and oh, I try to hours. try to get eight. But usually, yeah. you know, I'm up doing something or whatever. Just caught yeah. me on one of my nights. I... I get like eight hours of sleep and it doesn't feel like enough at all like i'm still exhausted when i wake up eight is like a lot for me usually i'm less i can do pretty good with like five or six yeah i can do six i'm one of those people you know how like children will fall asleep doing things that's what i do like children will fall asleep playing with their toys or whatever i've never done that i fall asleep with my lights on in my room almost every night i fight off the sleep off huh why don't you shut the lights off? Well, I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm doing what T Dog does, and like, what does T Dog do though? I'm on my computer. I'm on my iPad. I'm tweeting. I'm why researching. Do need, why do you need the lights on to be on your laptop? 
Well, I like the lights on to keep me awake. If I shut them off, I'm going well, to bed clearly immediately. That doesn't fucking work. It works better than the alternative. Doesn't seem like it. If you're falling asleep with the lights on every night, then I get up for my 2 a.m. piss, and that's mm-hmm. when I respond to you guys. And then I usually shut the lights off. So you have a you have a weak bladder, is what you're saying? Yes. You have you have low T and a weak bladder. I piss once every 24 hours. That's it. Yeah, I just like to wake up in the middle of the night to do it. I don't want any of my productivity during the day to get interrupted. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. The Red Sox traded John Schreiber. I know you wanted to talk about that really fucking bad because they traded. It was so important to you that they traded for a player that you couldn't even fucking pronounce his name. Don't disrespect David Sandlin like that, okay? Adam Sandler, coming to the Red Sox. Come on down. <laughs> How did you feel about it? I know some people like came Didn't out care. and immediately were like, what the fuck? Didn't and care. then uh, I love John Schreiber as a guy. Super nice. Um, got along with him great. Loved his bulldog energy on the mound. Um, but this, like to your point about the reaction on Twitter, uh, people were acting like the Red Sox just sold off Jonathan Papelbon in 2007. There's a, there's a, there's a comparison that you can probably get down with T dog. Uh, people were like, Oh my God, they, they really are punting on the season. It's like, well, they punted on the season when they decided not to sign Jordan Montgomery, who's been begging to sign here. Uh, but yeah, Schreiber, great dude. Loved watching him pitch. Always appreciated his energy and enthusiasm. Um, But if they identified a pitching prospect that they felt like they could do something with, and it was for a guy that hasn't really been the same in two years, then go right ahead. Go ahead and do that. I think if you, you know, if the Red Sox had done everything right this offseason over the luxury tax, did all the bullshit. I still would hope they would make this kind of move. And it's kind of the same with the Liam Hendricks thing. I think, you know, where you get frustrated is the big picture stuff and you groan. But John Schreiber, let's be real. What he did in 2022 was incredible. He was one of the best relievers in baseball. He was putting, you know, a bullpen that was already depleted on his back and trying to carry them as far as he could. And I think ultimately it might be the reason he's at where he's at now. Last year, 386 ERA, the FIP was even worse. It was 452. The VLO was down before he got hurt. Then had the shoulder impingement, right? And still didn't look the same. He spent all offseason at driveline working on a cutter. And it doesn't surprise me that the Red Sox got to camp. He's been down in Fort Myers since I think the second week of January. They've been watching him. And if they don't see like his stuff ticking back up to 2022, why wouldn't you flip him? Right? Like if there's one thing you could say about the 2024 Red Sox, they got right-handed relievers to go for friggin' days right now. Whether you want to talk about Greg Weiser and Isaiah Campbell, who both got shut out by Alex Cora very early in camp the last couple of days, saying they were kind of standing out. I'll add Justin Slayton as part of that mix as well. He got shouted out today as someone who was kind of playing up, and Brian Mata factors in there. Both of those guys have to be on the opening day roster unless you're going to either send Slayton back to the Rangers or Mata is going to be DFA'd. So you have options that should be able to step up and be a seventh inning arm. Now, Schreiber bounces back and he turns into one of the best relievers in baseball. You got a problem. But this is one of the things we criticized Heim Bloom for was, oh, you know, Heim's so good at building a farm system. Is he going to go target those prospects sometimes and go steal one of those guys? And, you know, he eventually comes here and becomes this big piece. That's what a lot of people ask for. And I think he was a little scarred when he did that with Ronaldo Hernandez flipping Jeffrey Springs and it didn't work out. And obviously Hernandez didn't really play out here. But you look at David Sandlin. He's an 11th round pick back in 2022, made 14 starts this past year, 
Last four, I believe, were at high A. Solid mid-three ERA. But then you start diving a little bit deeper, and he's kind of become like a sleeper prospect in a lot of people's eyes. BA had him at 20, but Keith Law had him at seven, and Kylie had him at number five. His season got ended prematurely because of a lat injury in June. But we're talking about someone with two-plus pitches, a fastball that we saw in a bullpen he recently posted. I threw this up on my Twitter if you want to see it. He hit 100. He's hitting 100 throwing against guys. That's something. And his velo was ticking up last year. It's a plus slider already. So you're talking about a high floor for this arm. Two-pitch guy, he could be a decent reliever at that. Well, he's also working on a changeup and has a decent curveball to go with it. All right, Breslow's kind of calling his shot. That's what you want here, right? You talk about pitching pipeline and not having a lot of guys coming through. You got Dick Fitz and you got David Sandlin this offseason to kind of add to Wilkeman Gonzalez and Luis Perales. And there's a couple other arms in there. The Jordani Monegros of the world, right? But this is a guy who they're apparently into, who misses a lot of bats, uh, also can kind of control it, doesn't throw a ton of balls either. Let's see it. Now, he'll probably start the year in high A with a quick, a quick promotion to double A. He's turning 23 very soon. But this seems like good business to me. You're dealing from a place of depth to help the organization in a part where they don't have those kind of arms. And if he comes in throwing with this kind of velocity, holy shit, maybe he does pop and you're looking at someone who you can actually pencil into the rotation. And that's not me telling you he's going to be a number one or a number two, but someone who may make sense as a number four, another Cutter Crawford-esque arm. And that would go a long way, I think, for the Red Sox. That's what you're trying to build up here. Even if you had done all this, you have arms. If Craig Breslow did his job with Campbell and Weiser and these other guys, you shouldn't need John Schreiber or just a regular seventh inning arm. You should be better and you have arms that can make up for him already in high leverage spots. Whoever loses out of, you know, Hauk and Whitlock and Winkowski, those arms will be in there. Does it get a little more cloudy if Kenley gets flipped before the season? Sure, that's fair. But at the same time, they're not trying to win this year. So, Give me these moves. I can accept it. I'll take that over someone who is going to be a seventh inning arm, even if they were under control for the next three years. Let me see if Breslow's really cooking here and can spot these pitching prospects. It just feels like all the news around the Red Sox fits into that whole purgatory feeling that I've been talking about where we're just stuck and we don't know how to get out. And then you look at the Giolito signing. It's like, well, they signed Lucas Giolito. He's one of the top free agents. Like, yeah, but it's a one-year deal with an opt-out. So if he's good, he's just going to leave after one year. Oh, my God. They signed Liam Hendricks. Everyone knows Liam Hendricks. He's so cool. He's Australian. and People love him. He's a really good closer. He led the league in saves a few years ago. It's like he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, and best case scenario, he'll be back in like late July, early August for you know the point of the season where the Red Sox have already sold off all their pieces. And it's whatever. Um, I also think one of the funniest parts are not funny, but you know, you kind of look at here, uh, next year, his incentives are all like tied to, I believe it's games finished and innings pitched like Kenley Jansen's just sitting there. It's like, okay, well, I already know we're not trying to compete, but here you just sign the guy who's definitely going to be the closer the next year. And arguably will probably be the closer the last two months of the season. If he, if he comes back and is healthy. Uh, so just another thing, if you're Kenley Jansen, that's like, all right, well, they've already kind of booked my replacement either way. So maybe even if we do surprise all these people or whatever it may be, I'm not coming back here. They've already kind of planned out what the next step is. Yeah, and then it also just kind of sends the message to other veterans that are on like the back end of their careers but could still help a contending team. Like, why would you go to Boston? Yeah, that's the whole Chris Martin thing I was mentioning earlier. Like, you're already struggling to convince guys for years to come here. 
and you're not willing to meet the price in you're proving players are unhappy when they get here because you lie to them. And then when they speak up, you fucking trade them. <laughs> Seriously, like that's what it is. And that's going to be such a problem when you're expecting, you know, oh, we're going to spend when the time's here. Well, you better fucking spend. You're going to have to have the number one price because they're going to see from these other guys, endeavors like I don't want to be here criticizing ownership and upset. Why the fuck would I want to do that? I'll go somewhere else and play because damn well, more likely than not, you're not the highest bidder. And you talk about Liam Hendricks and some people were like, this is proof that people do want to come to the Red Sox. It's the medical team. It's that simple. Everyone knows in this sport, in all of sports, the Red Sox have one of the best medical teams you can access. It's why James Paxson's here. It's why Michael Fulmer's here or why James Paxson was here during that time and came back for four million because he trusted them to build him back up. Michael Fulmer's rehabbing. Wyatt Mills signed a two year deal to rehab here from Tommy John. This is what the Red Sox are kind of known for. You know, Matt Strom talked about it. How much when he came here? That was one of the big things that sold me because I was a guy who was dealing with a lot of injuries. Well, yeah, Liam Hendricks, a guy who clearly, you know, is trying to get his career back on track after Tommy John. Why not come here? Who knows? Even if he comes back and he dominates the last two months, would, would you put it past anyone for him to get flipped if they feel like they're not ready to take another step? No. It is. <laughs> it is uh, kind of baffling. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, like, you know, Liam Hendricks, uh, I, I love the guy. I can't wait to see him pitching a Red Sox uniform, but it's just hard to, it's hard to envision a world where he's pitching meaningful innings for the Boston Red Sox. Unfortunately, they have sucked all the joy for me. They've sucked all the hope. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, bringing in Liam Hendricks, you would have been like, fuck. Yeah. Like this is awesome and now it's just uh i don't want to call it a nostalgia act because i feel like that's disrespectful to liam hendrix but i mean liam is at his best when he's closing out meaningful baseball games i don't know that he'll have the opportunity to do that here i don't know that if he comes back in august that he'll be closing out meaningful baseball games this season for the red sox if he comes back the following year or if he finishes 2024 strong, who's to say they won't just fucking trade him in the offseason? It's like, hey, we have a valuable commodity. We're not planning on contending in 2025. We have a closer on a one-year deal who's in his mid-30s. Who has a Are mutual option. Yeah, you interested in that? All right, well, what do you give us for that? Um and if the Red Sox are going to operate like these other teams where they believe and clearly with John Schreiber, we can find bullpen help. We're going to you know, find these nuggets every single year. Well, that might factor in now next year. So it's two million for 2024. No incentives for 2025. It's six million with 10 million in incentives, five million for innings pitch, five million for games finished. Then there's a 12 million option for 2026. That includes a two million buyout. So if he stays here the entire time, it maxes out at three years, 30 million. It's great value either way. This is a good business move. If, even if you were trying to win this year and you said, hey, we'll take Liam Hendricks for the stretch run and then we're going to get him on good money because he's going to rehab here, I'd tell you to do it. It's the same reason I wanted Brandon Woodruff here. But of course, he signs, what, two hours later back with the Brewers? Yeah, and you're like, even. I can't even dream on a front of the rotation piece trying to rehab. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think not not to uh, get too far ahead of ourselves here, but next offseason <laughs> – is going to tell me so much about the rest of John Henry's tenure. 
Like with all the starting pitching that's available in next year's free agent class, if they don't bring in somebody, then we can pretty much pack it up. Like it's time to it's time to find a new sport. It's time to find a new hobby, pretty much. Cause like the Red Sox are telling you, like, we are really just not trying. Cause at least now they're saying, like, yeah, you know, we're just not ready to win yet. But like when that time comes, we'll spend again. It's like, when the fuck is that? Well, all those people in that front office believed it was time now. That's what the whole message was, whether you want to talk privately or publicly. That's what, you know, when you talk about what you did in that front office, BOH got moved to a different position. Everybody else is just chilling. You know, Paul Taboni got a promotion too. So all those guys thought, yeah, we're ready to push the chips in. And now we're here and, you know, you're kicking the can down in the road. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to hit on? I know it's kind of just like tidbits and news and notes stuff from here on out. Yeah, I think the Teoscar Hernandez just hitting on that. That video was fucking hard to watch. I didn't Did, watch it. <laughs> for I, I ended up sitting through it. Um, basically, what he kind of talked about was the Red Sox wouldn't go beyond two years, confirming everything that's been out there. Asked, and you just see it on his face. He's like, man, I would have been interested, but they weren't willing to go beyond, which is infuriating to me. Simply for the fact that people are like, oh, I didn't want to go beyond two years for T. Oscar. The Red Sox were. They just said they had to get money off the books, which once again, John Henry, I'm looking at you. But they were willing to do that. They just had to find a deal to get the money off. So that tells me they were into him. And then T. Oscar Hernandez is like, Fenway Park's my favorite ballpark to play with. <laughs> like all over his face. He is saying, damn, I wish I was on the Boston Red Sox. If they even made a little bit of an effort, I would have been there. And here we are. It's just, it upsets me because here you are with the three hole in your lineup still being concerning, still being something I'm worried about. And I'm watching Justin Turner post all these happy videos at Blue Jays spring training and they're eating me alive. I'm just so over it. I'm over the set. Like, I, I'm, I'm excited for the baseball season to start so that I can watch other teams pretty much. This is our last time recording. Next time when we come back, we'll have a game to talk about. Multiple. Oh, I don't give a fuck about spring training games. <laughs> Nothing? It doesn't get you? You're not watching Northeastern? No. no. Whitlock starting on Saturday? Don't care. Come on. You're going to care when the games start. You think I'm going to give a fuck about Garrett Whitlock st- starting a game in spring training against a college baseball team? No. Well, he's not starting Friday. Those are relievers. But Saturday, he will start the first actual great game. Oh, yeah. I, heard, game. I was listening to Cora today. He uh, he dropped a shit bomb in his... <laughs> He's like he's got he's got good shit. I mean stuff. That was uh, Jorge Benavides, right? Yeah, lefty. Well, he likes the lefty. Jorge Benitez. Invitee. Yeah, Benitez. Let's see. Let it play. You know, big lefty with the fastball. Where he's gonna fit on the roster? And yeah, I don't know. Um, but someone who can make sense is depth. But no, I think when you see the first homer, whether it's Rafi hitting one into the air, Yoshida, Trevor Story, you're gonna retweet that and you're gonna feel a little something. Do you think so? I think so. People were asking, like, if the Red Sox win on opening day, like, is the gold bottles tweet going to start off in lowercase? I don't know if I, I, I haven't decided if I'm going to do the gold bottles this year. It's the first time you said this publicly. Yeah. I haven't decided if I like I did it for 10 seasons. I just I don't like because at this point, like the Red Sox are making me look stupid. Like, I can't go out there and in good conscience tweet a gold bottles tweet for the first win or any win this year, knowing like it's not happening. Like there's no like little engine that could. Well, all right, let's, 
put our positive caps on. Positive time. Positive time with T-Dog and J-Dog and J-Dog 2.0. There's no positive. One thing I've liked from spring training mm-hmm. has been that the pitchers are all ahead of schedule. Felt mm-hmm. like in years past, they were kind of building up and taking some time. I'm watching Garrett Whitlock, Brian Bayo, uh, Lucas Giolito throw two innings already. They're kind of wow. stocking up and ready to fire. What happens if they come out the gate and like they're just a little bit ahead of some of these other teams? They're about a week ahead in terms of pitching right now. Wow. Full head of st- head of st- what is it? Full, full head, head of steam. Full head of steam to everyone on the staff having a four and a half ERA best case scenario. You think Brian Bayo is giving you that? You're giving it a four and a half year A? Yeah. Come on. Now you're just being negative to be negative. I'm not. I mean, he he wore down last year. Yes. Like, what what did he finish the season at? I think it was four. Let me see. 24. And a half. Yeah. Four and a quarter. It was well below three or well below four going into September. He got absolutely That's why rocked. they called it an earned run average oh don't give me none of that because it's the average he was a four era pitcher to you last year you felt like that's the talent level you saw him at say that again you saw him as like a four era guy last year when you're watching like that's what this guy's gonna be no i mean he had a stretch of dominance for sure five months or four and a half no he didn't dominate for five months it was a mid three era going into september true or false Now, obviously, he started the year late. He had the forearm strain that kind of threw mm-hmm. everything off. But he came back, mm-hmm. what was it, Marathon Monday, and he got absolutely rocked, and then he was good after that. Marathon Monday was Giolito. Last year? Right? No. Are you they sure? played the Angels last year. Right, remember- the year before. Yeah, it had to be wait, the year before. What? Are you sure? Am I tripping? Cutter Crawford ended up pitching all those innings. Remember, it was raining. I think Logan O'Hoppy had his shoulder pop for the first time or whatever it was. Yeah, maybe. Hold on. I'm pulling up this ERA through August. Brian Bale. He had a four ERA for his first seven starts. And then, uh, yeah, it was about three and a half going into September. Now, if I were you, what I'd say is look at the FIP, right? And you could kind of be like, oh, well, the FIPS four and a half. I think that's not a great way to measure a guy like him because he's someone who beats analytics because it's a lot of ground balls and putting the ball on the ground. With good defense, he should be in a pretty good spot. But I think this goes into the extension conversation, right? That we saw today. That's something positive. Again? That's not positive to me. So you didn't take that? In a good light, the way Cotillo No, I just don't it. fucking care. Like, <sighs> you don't care about extensions for a guy who's going to be here five years. No, 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 no. It's not that I don't care about an extension. It's the fact that, like, it's. I think it's fucking pathetic that we're even talking about, like, oh, they they discussed an extension. <laughs> Woo! Clap for them. <laughs> they talked about it. Is it close? Is it done? Doesn't sound close. Doesn't sound like it it went very far. Doesn't sound like they're in the red zone. Doesn't sound like they're on the one yard line of getting this thing done. So like the fact that they fucking picked up the phone and had a conversation and people are going to get excited about that. Like, come on. Did Sam Kennedy's comments, because I think those were the other ones where he was like, 
for the first time, I felt like really acknowledging like we fucked up with a lot of guys in the past. We're trying to make an effort this spring training to get those guys paid inked, extended. <laughs> we want young guys here. Does that mean anything to you or just you look no. at it as more? Bullshit? What, did, what did Tristan Casas say? Uh, I have it right he, here. <laughs> it was like, oh, here we go. Of course, we have, you know, referring to extension talks. Nothing enticing, though. Nothing enticing. Nothing enticing. But we should we should celebrate the fact that the Red Sox had an extension conversation with Tristan Casas. I will have the conversation. That is a step forward because last time we heard from him, he was like, nah, we haven't talked about anything. So at least you're trying to talk. Nothing enticing. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Tristan Casas was like, I'm not looking to like make a billion dollars. Like I just, you know, I want to like make sure like my family's good. You want whatever you have the exact quote. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in terms of an extension, one that sets me and my family for the rest of my life. I don't know what that looks like. I'm low maintenance. I don't need a lot. So I've got a small family. I don't need much, but something that I think would suffice for the work that I put into my whole life would be nice. He's not, uh, he's being super reasonable saying, I don't need a ton. And the Red Sox had a conversation with him where he deemed it was nothing enticing. <laughs> like he's, he's asking for not a lot and he was still underwhelmed. I'm I'm curious. Oh, my God. God bless you. Thank you. When it comes to these extension talks, right? I think the Bayo one is like a little bit simpler to figure out, right? Because like you look at Spencer Strider from a couple years ago, six years, 75. Uh, what? Hunter Green, I think, was six years, 53 million, right? And Hunter Green and Bayo stats are actually pretty similar from an ERA FIP standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're looking at Bayo and both of those contracts, they bought out the first free agent year with a club option for the second free agent year. So that was the kind of length you're getting there. That's not too crazy. Tristan Casas at this point, if he's looking for something that's going to set him up for life, is he looking for like a, you know, you're not getting Bobby Whip money. Don't get me wrong. But are you looking for that kind of like career deal here? Because I think if that's the case, it's going to be hard to see an extension getting done. And I think with Casas, I'm not telling you the Red Sox need to get these guys figured out, especially if they're banking on the big three because they need to be here when those big three are developing. Um, But for Casas, is it like, you know, McAdam said he's very confident, right? Like he's not going to take a deal that, you know, is not what it needs to be at. He believes in himself and the kind of hitter he's going to be. And I think Cora spoke very highly of him the last few days. You know, what's the money looking like? I'm guessing it's a good amount more than what Brian Bayo would get. Like, are you talking like 150 million? Like, you can't compare him to really Freddie Freeman, right? Matt Olson was closer to free agency too when he signed with the Braves, right? I think he, what was he a year away? Because he had spent uh, all those years in Oakland. Wait, Matt Olson? Yeah, how many years was he away when he signed his extension? He it was right after the trade, so I think he had one year left. On so deal. another hard guy like. Freddie Freeman's the only first baseman that really comes to mind, but he was a couple years and already had a top five MVP finish. Yeah. So I don't know. I You need to figure it out with both of them. There's no excuse. Casas seems like the tougher one, but I'd also pay him first because I look at Brian Bayo and I like Bayo. I don't know if he's an ace. I think he's probably a number two and more likely than not, you know what it, what it is with pitchers. He's going to blow the elbow out at some point. He's going to need a surgery. Tristan Casas, I've already seen him be one of the better hit or better hitters in baseball over a five-month stretch. I'm not trying to – I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but, like, didn't we also see this – Like, I love Tristan Casas. But didn't we see this with Bobby Dahlbeck where, like, he had a, 
a slow start in the first half and then was one of the best hitters in baseball in the second half. Um, and he's basically been in Worcester ever since. And I'm not saying that, like, trust me, it, I, I agree with what you said. It's more so the question of, do you need to see more? I think with Bobby Delwick, while he did perform really well, let's keep in mind, it was a 106 way to runs created plus. It was nice what Delwick did in, in that second half. And we've talked about it. Tristan Casas was, you know, a different world compared to that. I'm pretty sure he was like 126. Um, and he was the for, best hitter on the for team. For the whole year? year? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck was like a OPS over 1,000 in the second half of 21. Yeah. So here we go with Casas. This year, he was 129. So he was a 23% better hitter than Bobby Dahlbeck was in 2021. I, I, mean, I think they're about on the whole moments. year. Yeah. I'm talking about the second half. Yeah. I, I think with Dahlbeck overall, though, like we're talking bigger sample size, right? We saw Delbeck yeah, it's a bigger, for like it's a bigger sample size for Casas. I'm more so posing the question of if you're going to give him this extension, do you want to see it again? Do you want to see him this year do it again? I can understand people who would say that. I'm just telling you, and I this is why I tweeted it out. You wait a year from now, he's going to be at a point where you're probably not getting him figured out. Where he's going to be like, I'm one of the better hitters in baseball. I truthfully believe that about Tristan Casas. I think we're seeing... Whether you want to call it a Joey Votto or something like that, I think he's a fusion of him and Matt Olson. And I think you look under at the metrics, him and Matt Olson's baseball savant page, MLB Network's comparing them on there and saying, look at how similar they are. I think that's the kind of player you're looking at. Um, I answered it in the Millican mailbag. Check it out, 98.5thesportshub.com. Mm, yeah. What'd you say? 98.5thesportshub.com. Thank you. Um, I said I'd take Casas the next 10 years over Devers. I, I think he's going to be that special of a hitter. Um, and keep in mind, Bobby Dulbick, when he posted that season, he was 26 years old in 21. Tristan Casas played last year at 23. Like this guy's multiple years younger, had a significantly better year, and had an April that was all time bad. How many years are you comfortable committing to Tristan Casas? If let's Ooh. say let's say the deal, it's contingent on. I need to get this done before opening day. After opening day, I'm not talking to you. And then this year, I'm going to ball out. And then I'm just probably going to go to free agency after that because I'm going to get a monster deal if I just wait until I'm a free agent. So I'll talk extension with you, but it has to get done before opening day. What does that look like? That's uh, I would be willing and I don't know if they would be, but I'm looking to buy out three or four free agent years. Like, I, I think I want the prime and I think you can avoid it. You don't want to pay a first baseman when he's 30, right? Because who knows well, he's what it's going to look like. He's going to want to hit free agency again at 30. And, and that's you're going to have to probably do. Are you going to do the opt out and give more years after that and kind of play that route? Because he's going to want that shot in case he hits that level. But I'd probably be willing to give him. He's 23 right now. I'd at least go up until he's 30, 31. Yeah you know, and buy out a couple and maybe for the right deal, I'd go even longer. I'd go closer to 33. You know, I said, yeah, maybe, to get a maybe it's like seven years with an opt out. You can opt out at 30, but then you've got player options for his age, like through, I mean, it could look like a, a 12 year deal. Yeah. It, right? Seven like, years or it could max out at 12 or, you know, yeah. 10. And I yeah. think, that's the way you should approach it with a hitter like this and what kind of leadership he's showing. Cause I'm telling you, man, if he goes out there this year and he, you know, is top 10 in everything, he looks like he did those five months. Good luck, dude. That is going to be such a hard contract. Cause then you're going to be talking about paying him, you know, not with Bobby Witt cause he's a shortstop, but as expensive as a first baseman can get. Yeah. You're going to be right in that conversation. Yeah. 
I mean, fucking Scott Boris wants to get 40 million for Alonzo. He's comparing him to Aaron Judge. It's like, yeah, good luck with that, dude. First basemen just aren't as valuable as corner outfielders. Yeah. It's just not it's not gonna happen. Um so I think, you know, with as it pertains to Casas, you might be able to get somewhat, I don't want to call it a bargain, but you're not gonna be paying like league top talent premier prices for a first baseman the way that you would be for um someone else in the infield or like a corner outfield or something like that. And you'd at least be giving Devers who made a point to say it. Like I want to play with Tristan Casas for a long time. You'd be telling that guy, Hey, this is the bat you're going to be spending a majority of the rest of your career with. Like, this is your guy. It's going to be you and him. And they're already close. We know Casas and Devers spend a good amount of time off the field together. Give me that. Give me that kind of commitment because at least you could say they're building towards something here. There's a long-term plan. And yeah. it doesn't change the off season. I get it. I know some people are like, who gives a fuck about the extensions? But if you don't want to walk down the Mookie and Xander path, you know, Xander did get extended, but really more the Mookie path. This is your way to do it. Step up before they pop. I also get the hesitation, though. Like I, for me. Sure, you can put your nuts on the table and say, all right, we believe in the player. Here's seven with an opt out and then five more after that with with uh player options or whatever. Um, I would want to see one more year or a full year, you know, like I, I want to see improvements with the defense, even though like that's not necessarily why he's there. Uh, I want to see some improvements with the defense, but like show me that you can do it again. Um, Like after the league has made some adjustments to you, are you going to make the adjustments back and then, and 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 only then is it like all right this is our guy here's here's a deal that will reflect that <clears throat> if you so choose there is a path uh to remain with this organization until your age 35 season you, so you would pay bail before you'd pay Casas right now or do you feel that no. way about both of them no i i yeah i would pay Casas first I think Casas' ceiling is obviously an everyday player as well. I, I just think it's up there with a lot of the young players. It's just he doesn't play a premier position, but if you also ask me, I think he's going to be at least an average defensive first baseman. I think he just needed a year of getting it underneath his belt. Yeah. Yeah. Next up. And he, he's a leader. What else? Uh, <laughs> we got Geo. What else we got? Hold on. I'm trying to make sure we didn't miss anything up here. Yeah, all we got left is uh, Gio Urshela. Chris Cotillo linked him to the Red Sox today. More likely than not, he'd fill the Bobby Delbeck role on the team. I don't need it. I already got Bobby Delbeck. I think from uh, just saying like, oh, whatever the season is, Bob is more fun, but he I don't think he's as good of a ball player as Gio is. Well, no, but. Well. I don't know. Bob can play the outfield. I think Gio's only appeared in the outfield once in 2019 with the Yankees. I mean, Bob, uh, the I would rather watch Bob mash homers than like watch Gio pick it at third base when you already have Devers. But that's you need someone who can kind of play third and first for you right now. This is part of the problem. And I think Bob this, can do that. Yeah, he could. Right. And he can play the outfield. Yes. But I think with Gio, right, like ultimately most people would bet if you have Bob up, He's probably not going to give you much. It's going to be 
you know, the last example, and he seems unhappy. I don't know if you can add anything to this, but multiple people in the media has said he does not look happy down there. Um, and Bob? that's kind of, yeah, he looks kind of just like over it. Like he expected not to be here still. Yeah. But wouldn't you be thrilled if you were him that you have a shot to make the team? Uh, I mean, it's probably for him. And and I'll be honest, I didn't talk to him once over the offseason. Like uh, we didn't. Yeah, I didn't really talk to him, um, but it's probably just feels like Groundhog's Day to him. It's like, here we go. Fucking Fort Myers again. And I mean, how old is he now? Probably I think 29. Think. He is. Yeah, no, he's 28. He'll be 29 in June. So, so like, yeah, this will be his age 29 season. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, at this point, like he probably just feels like, you know, it's make or break there. I can't believe I'm still in this organization. Like They won't give me an opportunity at the big league level. But you could also look at it and be like, they gave you an opportunity and it didn't work out. But I still believe that it could happen with another organization. You know, like I guess I, I still feel like if he ended up in another organization that he could still have, you know, whatever four or five year run in the big leagues where it's like, yeah, that, that was a, that was a serviceable MLB player, but I'm sure at this point it just feels like we've, we've done this before. We've tried this before and it's just not working for anybody. So like, can we please move on from this and free me from this, this hell? I think with Bob and maybe you could even make the argument that like, Hey, if he gives you something, then you flip him, Right. And maybe a team's willing to be like, all right, well there's something here, but like Urshela a year ago, Going back to 2022, he had a 119 OPS plus in 144 games. Now, obviously, he's going to be playing a little bit of a bench role here, moving back and forth. That might have some real value come the trade deadline. Uh, I believe he fractured his pelvis last year in June, so that's what cost him the rest of the year. But can play third, can play first. This might be a way to flip a guy at the deadline and get something for him. I have more hope in him being that than I would Bob. But Bob's more fun. I'm willing to put my hands up and say that. I just, if he's also miserable... Send him packing. Like, why? He called out Hein Bloom, too, which I didn't see get a lot of run on Twitter. But he was like, they just, they weren't transparent with me. Which, Bob, like, I hate to tell you, man, they gave you the fucking keys to first base. Seriously, they did. Like, you can frame it whatever other way you want. In 2021, you had the keys and it was ugly for a long time. And then you went on that hot stretch. He said that this spring? Yeah, it was like within the last week. Someone had it. Whoever did the most recent Bobby Delbeck interview. Um, but yeah, he said, like, I felt like the last front office wasn't very uh, transparent with me. He admits that the new front office has been better about that so far. But like, dude, it was you and Travis Shaw in 2022 to start the year. Travis Shaw was cooked, done, retired in his head. They wanted you to be that guy in Bridge to Casas. They were actually hoping maybe you could develop into more. Maybe, you know, factor in at DH or something like that. And you didn't. Like, I understand him being upset, but what do you want? Like as a quadruple A player, there's only so much interest in you and you are good depth because you can play a lot of positions and you're athletic and you have power. Like, you know what? You're going to flip him for another quadruple A reliever. Sure. I guess you could do that. But based on what the Red Sox needed last year, it made sense. I just hope I just hope he's happy. I just hope he gets a chance somewhere, even if it's not here. And uh, I'm hoping for a big year from Bob. We love Bob here. Go tear up Worcester. No, go tear up Fenway Park. That would be fun.
Why not? I heard not someone uh, confuse him for Tristan Casas, and he said, I'm in a lot better shape than Tristan Casas to the fan. <laughs> really? I'm sensing some envy. Nah, he's just fucking around. I'd be upset Bob. if Tristan Casas became a dog like that. No, Bob's a good guy. He seems he never. Yeah, he would never. He would never say that. That's why the Bloom thing surprised me so much. I was just like, I've never heard this man ever say something like negative or mean to anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've pushed a man to his limits. Before he was fighting for a spot. Now he's fighting for his career. I would just say I think you got more run than a lot of guys have, especially in a city like this. Yeah, I would agree. He was given ample opportunity. They're begging him. Begging. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I think that's all we have. Okay. Uh, Jake Stakes? Uh, The Discord is calling for a Q&A segment um, from now on, which I think we can implement a little down in the Discord action. Okay. That's fire. All right. I'm down with that. I, I still don't know how to use it, but I'll, yeah. Jake, did you do something like adding me to make it different now? Or I forgot his name. I feel awful. Who was yeah, the one it's Dustin. Yeah. Dustin might have done it because he runs it. Thank you, Dustin. Um, But yeah, I saw he had like made me, I don't know if it's a moderator or something like that, but it looked like all of us like had that kind of symbol or something. Shout out, Dustin. You rule. Uh. Is it an app or is it a website? Both. Jake? It's basically Reddit. So like the topic is name redacted, but within the Reddit, there's like different sections, different chat rooms for like based on exactly what you're talking about. So like there's a chat room to talk about the podcast. There's a chat room to talk about the Red Sox, chat room to talk about like rumors, trades. So it's just like a more like um, organized Reddit. It's fun, like going in there when news breaks and like seeing people were like actually talking, like when the Liam Hendricks stuff. I went in there and I'm like reading through it, and I'm like, holy shit! Like it's just a live feed. You can kind of see what everyone's going on. Someone, do you have put, the app, T Dog, or do you have? Yeah, I have the app. It's what easy do I to use for. It reminds me of like uh, just like Discord? Skype. Yeah, it's like Skype group chats. But someone uh, went in the non-baseball one and put in the Brockton High thing about them sending like the national guard to like handle shit and they're like t-dog explain this i was like that's fucking funny discord you guys have one for baseball is dead don't you i don't know discord chat talk and hang out yeah get in there get in there hold on maybe i can take a picture of the pod and send it to them is that okay jake what do you mean does that put you on the clock i don't want to make life oh, no, yeah go ahead <laughs> Uh, it looks like a mouse. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna set up an account. I swear to God. Catch me, catch me in the. Is it name redacted or section ten? It's name redacted. All right, I'm gonna try to post this right now and see if I do it right. (laughs) I'm definitely gonna like send a picture of my dick here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think I just put it in there. Jake, did you get that? Which channel? Uh, Pod Talk. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I just sent that to everyone. We'll see what happens. Someone's in there an hour ago. Like, that's sick. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll figure the, it out. The link's in there, Tyler. What do you mean, the link? Oh, no, no, no. To our call? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. Please don't join. 
I got this. Uh... <laughs> Tyler just put the link to our podcast recording in the in the Discord. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be a good guy. No one. So now, so now anyone in the Discord can just come on the show. Yeah, I just gotta type in the link. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there a way to is there a way to uh, fix that, Jake? It's only this episode, right? Yeah. Well, I just put a setting where if someone joined, I'd have to allow them in. Okay. No. Sorry, Jake. You're good. Join the Discord. Yeah, join the Discord. If you do, you can join the podcast if you want. You can live stream out of that, Jake. Out of Discord? Yeah. Is that I a don't, thing? I, you probably know more about it than me. Yeah, I think you can. Maybe we could do like a stream in there or whatever. That might be fun. All right. Tyler Stakes? No. What? Jake Stakes. He already went. Jake Stakes again. <laughs> uh, hope they're getting some good footage for the Netflix doc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you, what, what's your final thought? Check out the Millican mailbag. The first one ever came yeah, out you already this past week. fucking said that. All right. But I want to mention it at the end. One last yeah, mention time. It at the, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's yeah. on my Twitter. You can find it pinned. But people seem to be really into it. Thank you for all the positive feedback that's come back. I'll try to keep doing some different versions here and there. But I appreciate everyone uh, just taking the time to read it. Wow. Shout I out Dustin. Shout out Dustin. You read it? I did. You never answered me or said anything afterwards. I assumed it was awful. Um, no. What was your favorite part? What day was that? Uh, last Saturday. Oh, Sunday. Excuse me. Sunday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what I was doing Sunday. You don't remember reading it? No, I remember reading it. What was your favorite part? Uh, the part that you answered, uh, the, you answered a question from the same person twice. I did. Cause I liked the question a lot. There you go. So that's proof that I read it. Correct? Okay. Yeah. I feel like you read the beginning and then stopped. How would I know that? Uh, how would I know that? I read the whole thing. You didn't acknowledge me. You Did you deserve to be acknowledged? I thought I did. I put a lot of effort into it. But there T-Dog no, works in you, silence. It was, it was a good mailbag. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Now you're just saying it. What do you mean? I, I enjoyed voice, the mailbag. Perfect proof of a liar right there. I enjoyed the mailbag. Jake, did I enjoy the mailbag? I think you enjoyed it. Jake, I enjoyed the mailbag. What was your favorite part, Jake? Uh, just the mailbag part. <laughs> and the podcast. <laughs> I don't want to cry. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more games. Red Hot Red Sox takes. Game reaction. And game. Yeah, we'll be breaking down the Red Sox versus college baseball players. Can't Lit wait. Lock. Yeah, yeah. All On right, Saturday. Bye. See ya. Buenas noches, amigos. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 